You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Monster House presents Monster Talks, a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Home of such shows as Kick-Ass News, Movie Therapy, and Therapist Uncensored. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. For the first time in more than 50 years, Congress will hold a hearing on UFOs. A House subcommittee plans to hear testimony next Tuesday about a national intelligence report last summer detailing dozens of sightings as far back as 2004. The report said most of what was seen uh, were not physical objects, said they are not secret government technology, and there's no evidence that another country developed them. Have you ever wondered, are we really alone in the universe? NASA held its first public meeting looking into just that question one year after formally launching a study into UFOs, known now as UAPs, or unidentified anomalous phenomena. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. There's been a lot of official chatter about UFOs and UAPs in the news lately. Those clips in the intro were about two recent U.S. government inquiries into what they're now calling UAPs, but which they used to call UFOs, and which before that they called flying saucers. Are these really three different things? No, of course not. As we'll hear in this two-part conversation with researcher and writer Mick West, the thing they're now calling unidentified anomalous phenomena, or UAPs, it's just a euphemism. Yes, that's a pun, but it's also true. The mythic narrative that took us from Kenneth Arnold coining flying saucers in June of 1947 to Ray Palmer creating Flying Saucers magazine in the mid-1950s, 
to the military coining the term UFO in the early 1950s to disassociate itself with this wacky flying saucer stuff, to the massive pop culture feedback loop which keeps refining the narrative, it's all led to this moment where once again we're facing a rebranding designed to give credibility to something that skeptics like Jason Colavito have publicly referred to as space poltergeist. Okay, not exactly what he said, but yes, yes, basically yes. So I think it's safe to say there's a mythic narrative that's emerged to try and syncretize all these moments in history into a story about aliens, or or something, coming to Earth, or maybe already being here, and doing stuff to us, or maybe just observing us, or being tricksters. And it's not one narrative, because you can see that's not how myth works. Underneath that web of story are events that make people think supporting this idea is plausible because these things might be real and true. But anyone who faces a mythic narrative beloved by lots of people and asks the question, but is it true, is going to get a lot of grief from believers. And the toxic, vitriolic culture that I often refer to as, air quotes, UFO Twitter, is particularly nasty in how it responds to skeptical criticism. Yet every day, there's a guy who gets up and puts on his detective hat and tries to figure out if there is a natural, plausible, scientific explanation for the videos and photos and stories. And his name is Mick West. Karen and I sat down with Mick to talk about the current state of the field and how he keeps his cool as he takes fires from the defenders of the faith. He's not the only person doing this work, You can check our archives for lots of others. But currently, Mix managed to do what gamers call drawing aggro, where he posts online there's an army of defenders ready to decry his work, his techniques, and his alleged agenda. So how does he keep his cool? And how did he develop his detective skills? Let's find out. Monster Dog. This evening we're talking with Mick West. Mick is a Brit- – and by the way, I cribbed this uh, from Wikipedia largely. So Mick West is a British-American science writer, skeptical investigator, and retired video game programmer. And he's the creator of websites such as Contrail Science and Metabunk. And he investigates and debunks pseudoscientific claims and conspiracy theories such as chemtrails and UFOs. His first book is Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic, and Respect. And he's also the current reigning champion skeptical tank on UFO Twitter, if you'll forgive me making a gaming reference. Went over yeah, my head. Yeah, acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for listeners who may not be familiar with you, how did you go from being a video game developer to the number one level boss on the UAP enthusiasts track on Twitter? What? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's kind of a long story, but also a short story. It, it kind of started, I guess, when I retired from the video game industry. Uh, I left back in the 2000s, and I just wanted to do something else. I wanted to do stuff like writing. So I was you know, writing uh, magazine articles for Game Developer Magazine, and then I started uh, thinking about doing my own blog. And as it happened, kind of at the same time as me wanting to do some blogging, I came across this uh, this interesting theory called uh, Morgellons disease, uh, which is this this idea that so it's kind of a self diagnosis that people give themselves, where they think they find little fibers coming out of their skin, 
and uh, uh, they ascribe all their ills to this, and they give it this label, Morgellons disease. And so for some reason, I got really interested in that, and I started doing a blog about Morgellons disease and how you know, it probably wasn't actually uh, nanoworms emerging from your skin, but it was probably you know, a variety of other things. And that kind of led me to my next uh, blog, which was Contrail Science, which you mentioned. Now, that's all about the chemtrails conspiracy theory, uh, which is kind of in some ways related to the Morgellons thing because it's people very concerned about their health and they wonder why the government is spraying these strange trails above them. Uh, but that, that kind of consumed my time for a while. And uh, it kind of grew into basically into Metabunk, which is my forum where I, I investigate all kinds of different things from, from chemtrails to flat earth and 9-11 conspiracy theories and uh, the paranormal and uh, UFOs. And then I read the book and here I am. Fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say, we probably have had you without the book. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, but I do have the book and mm -hmm. have been enjoying it. Cool, mm -hmm. thank you. Now that I'm sufficiently itchy talking about Morgellons disease, whether it <laughs> exists or not, um, so, Nick, there are so many things out there to be focused on, so many different mm -hmm. topics, ghosts and alternative medicine and political conspiracies. How did you end up focusing on weird aerial phenomenon in particular? Well, I think it kind of grew out of the, the chemtrails thing. Uh, I was learning to fly when I started doing that. So I have like a little bit of pilot training so I can, you know, I know I'm very familiar with aviation. And if you're looking up in the in the sky at things, like even if you're looking up at these chemtrails, you're going to spot a UFO at some point. And so a lot of these chemtrail people thought that they were seeing UFOs flying around the chemtrails. You know, of course, it was just you know, the usual types of things, like they're looking up at contrails and they're probably seeing other planes or birds or things like that. But uh, I started investigating UFOs and I found that I really enjoyed the process of basically trying to figure out what a particular UFO was. So someone sh shows me a video and it shows a little dot in the distance. Uh, it can do some investigation and you know, look at what planes are in the area and compare it to other things and basically try to figure out what it is. And I just kind of enjoyed that kind of puzzle process. And I got quite sure. good at it. And just over, over time, I got, uh, I guess, kind of well known for solving a few particular cases. Uh, and I really enjoy that too. Uh, it's fun, like Great. explaining it to a large number of people, and uh, I just I just really like doing it. Neat. Uh, so what, I remember years ago there was a shift in language around uh, what they used to call, well, they would call it layoffs or downsizing, and they decided to change it to right sizing instead. Mm -hmm. And I feel <laughs> like that this whole UAP versus UFO thing is kind of the same thing. This rebranding. Have you have you got any thoughts on that? This this push to change UFOs into UAPs. Yeah, I think it is. It's a push to make it seem more acceptable. And one of the things that I've heard people talk about was that when they wanted to get academics to study UFOs. They would go to some college and say, you know, like we should do a study of the prevalence of of UFO sightings uh, in in our airspace, and they'd get laughed at because UFOs conjures up ideas of like little green men and whatnot. So they started using the term UAP, and they found they got a lot better response because people don't yet know exactly what UAP means. It hasn't acquired the meaning of UFO. 
even though it really means exactly the same thing. It's some object in the sky that's unidentified, and the person who's asking about it probably has some kind of suspicion that it's aliens. But because it sounds more kind of academic, uh, it's it's right now it's kind of more acceptable uh, to use than the term UFO. But I think eventually it's going to acquire the same meaning because that's just the way things go. You, they start out one way. Uh, it's this new word. No one knows what it means. But when everybody figures it out, it's just another word for UFOs. They'll start c- giving the same baggage to it. And I think that's that's happened before uh, previously with uh, flying saucers. I think they're, they're always trying to legitimize these concepts and kind of like a euphemism treadmill sort of thing. I think we see with the paranormal a lot where uh, just new terms are being introduced to just make it sound more plausible, as you yeah. say, until people figure out uh, what it uh, means and then they need to replace it with something else. He's trying to come up with something <laughs> that sounds, uh, uh, I don't know, just, just like less silly, I guess, is what they're trying to do. Yes. But it, it, it yeah. does also, the term UAP does actually encompass a few more things. Uh, UFOs are just unidentified flying objects, but UAP now stands for Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, which could be pretty much everything when you when you think about it. You know, Loch, the Loch Ness Monster could be an unidentified anomalous phenomena. Oh, yeah. So, I had heard it as aerial phenomena. Yeah. So it's, it's anomalous. What I thought it was, too. They keep expanding uh, what they're interested in. And the, there's a there's kind of a, a saying in ufology, uh, which is kind of a new saying, but the saying is that the woo is just around the corner in UFOs. Like, we'd, we want to avoid talking about the woo, you know, the supernatural, but we know that in UFOs, the woo is just around the corner. And this is something sure. people don't realize about the UFO topic, is that a lot of the people interested in UFOs, uh, even the serious sounding ones, really have very strange uh, conceptions of reality. Now, they think that you know, the UFOs might be things like projections into people's minds of some kind of alternate reality by some kind of interdimensional tricksters, which is actually one of the the leading theories about UFOs amongst like uh, some of the higher ups in the in UFO culture. Uh, so the the wow. the woo aspect of it is very much there. It's not just you know aliens are flying here and they've, they've got fancy spaceships. It's that there are beings from other dimensions messing with our minds. Also, sounds kind of spiritual and religious. I know for some organisations that. Uh, it tends to bleed into religion or spirituality yeah. as well. Yeah, UFOs, I think, uh, for some people, the idea of alien uh, visitors is kind of like uh, alien saviors. Like they think that aliens are going to come and save the world. Like There's this big idea in ufology that uh, at some point uh, the UFOs switched off some nuclear weapons. There was this famous incident in, in Montana where all these uh, nuclear missiles went offline. And at the same time, uh, there was the story that someone saw a UFO hovering outside the gate. And so they put you know, two and two together and, and made like five million by assuming <laughs> that this light was a, an alien spaceship that somehow had used some kind of remote manipulation to turn off these nuclear weapons in a very mysterious way. But the idea there is kind of, you know, like you know, Superman 3, I believe, like Superman 
takes all the nuclear weapons and tosses them into the sun. I think that's Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Oh, okay. Sorry, no, sorry. I think my Superman's in order. <laughs> uh, and I apologize yeah, but, for nerding out like that. I, I'm just going to crawl back here into my mute button. You do not apologize. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while since I, I watched the Superman series. But yeah, it's it's the idea of a savior, which of course is nice. is an idea in religion. Yeah, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ is a savior. Uh, so people are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus when he saves the world, and the UFO fans are looking forward to when the aliens arrive. Yeah, and this this had very serious consequences yeah, not too long ago with the Heaven's Gate cult, which mm-hmm. was a UFO cult. It was. I mean, they basically said UFOs are going to come to the planet and they're going to take us away. And they're going to take us to heaven, basically. Uh, the UFOs never arrived, so they figured they probably had to depart their earthly bodies uh, to get onto these UFOs because they weren't as physical as they thought they were. So they all killed themselves. Tragic. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, but I, I want to ask you, Mick, uh, I've written previously about a group called Share International. I wonder if you're familiar with them. Mm, they were no, kind I of don't. a UFO cult. And it was led by a fellow called Benjamin Krem. He died a couple of years ago, but they talked about it. It seemed to intermingle the idea of Jesus, who they reframed as uh, someone called Maitreya. And they would talk about the space brothers and sisters. So there was a lot of ufology that was interwoven uh, into to everything they believed in. But uh, I think there are quite a few groups out there like that. Yeah, yeah. It's very easy, I think, for people to kind of uh, take the trappings of a religion, uh, mm. especially something like a, like a millennial uh, end times religion and and tack UFOs onto that. Uh, it's, you know, this old kind of mixture of, of religion and science uh, kind of right. you know, mixing the two things up together and coming up with something that really isn't like science at all, but it, it has some of the, the words and the the ideas of science that, you know, space travel and things like that and other dimensions. Exactly. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It feels like uh, a lot of the changes in modern UFO culture may be coming out of the Robert Bigelow, found, you know, in his, his money and his foundations. Is that something you've been looking into at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Bigelow is is kind of at the root of a lot of uh, what's been going on with with ufology. Like back in the nineties, he was gathering uh, ufologists together and uh, having kind of symposiums, and then hiring scientists to investigate things like UFOs and and, and ghosts and uh, the afterlife. Uh, he's he's got a wide range of interests, but you know, more recently he's been focused. You know, he he's a 
uh, honestly, I think I believe he was a real estate developer, but and then he kind of transitioned into building spaceship uh, parts, these little habitats that stick onto the side of the space station. And he's been spending a lot of money on promoting UFOs. And a lot of the people who are into UFOlogy are, are, are only able to do what they do because of him. And, and he, of course, became friends with Harry Reid, the senator from Nevada. And Harry Reid uh, was the, uh, I think, the head of the Senate, leader of the Senate, the Senate majority leader at the time. And, and he managed to get some legislation passed to, uh, to start a UFO investigation group. But it was, it, the way that happened was all really, really weird, though. They, mm-hmm. they, they were, Bigelow at the time had bought uh, Skinwalker Ranch. And Skinwalker Ranch is this little ranch in Utah that was supposed to be haunted and have loads and loads of UFO sightings. And he bought it because he wanted to investigate UFOs and he wanted to investigate ghosts. So he bought it and set up some science uh, people there to, to look for things. And they didn't, they didn't actually find anything. Uh, but uh, at some point, some government's person was uh, invited there on a non-official capacity, I believe, via Harry Reid. And had some kind of weird experience in the kitchen of one of the houses where he saw what he described as some tubular bells. The the cover of the famous uh, tubular bells album has got these kind of crossed uh, stainless steel tubes on it. And he he had this weird vision and decided that because of this, there must be something going on at Skinwalker Ranch. And so we need to do a government study of it. And so he kind of got together with with Harry Reid and they... They got together with some other people and they 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 basically invented a program that they called the the orsap i think it was something like the advanced aerospace uh, weapons research program something like that and the idea was supposed to be that they were going to evaluate the future of technology of aerospace but that was all a front they actually wanted to investigate the ufos and the ghosts at skinwalker ranch and they put it out to tender supposedly but the contract went to harry reed's friend robert bigelow and that was the start of the orsap program which became uh no also known as the atip program which is where we got uh, if you can you can kind of fast forward from there all the way up to the big new york times story of 2017 where they revealed that this program had been been going on but it all goes back to robert bigelow and his his mm-hmm. his money and his connection to harry reed and these this weird program that got started through the pentagon it was an official pentagon program it's all very strange yeah mm-hmm. i think i'm about i'm about three quarters through with the sequel book skinwalkers at the pentagon mm. And I think I read, I don't have it to hand, but I believe I read that it was a no-bid contract, which seemed super shady to me. Dodgy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, there's, yeah, there's different stories there. Some people say it was a no-bid contract. Uh, some people said there was two bids, like there was some other company, but I'm not sure if that's accurate. And obviously it went to Robert Bigelow. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's not very hard to to like, you know, figure out what's going on there. Uh, that that you know it was basically steered towards Robert Bigelow. He was tailored towards uh, his company. White, uh, white, <laughs> and and yeah. And so that was a twenty-two million dollar contract. Uh, not sure exactly how much of that Bigelow actually got, as there was there was other components of it within the Pentagon. But they were doing stuff at Skinwalker Ranch, basically a haunted ranch, uh, about which there is now a a 
History Channel TV show, a very sensationalistic nice. and ridiculous TV show uh, where they go basically uh, <laughs> anomaly hunting, digging holes in the ground, looking for strange things and not finding anything. Or, or walking around with equipment that doesn't work right, which I think is actually <laughs> everywhere in, in America right now, but people don't always attribute it to poltergeists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the fun thing with that is that they've, they've started a spin-off show. And they, they, I think the trailer of the show says, like, we're 500 miles away from Skinwalker Ranch, and yet the exact same thing is happening. Wow. <laughs> In great the, voice. That was good. <laughs> uh, it was very good. <laughs> it's their machines. They're, it's just the way they're, they're using their, uh, their little, you know, whatever they're using to scan the spectrum. It's like, oh, my God, it's a 1.6 gigahertz signal here. And, you know, sure, it's here, but it's also down the road and it's everywhere else that Mm -hmm. you go. If you wait long enough, something's going to show up. So it's it's kind of ridiculous. I want to call it Griff Talker Ranch instead. (laughs) (laughs) That would work. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, because the the owner of Skinwalker Ranch, Brandon Fugel, um, and a lot of people, he's a millionaire. He's a millionaire in real estate, and he works most of the time doing his real estate stuff. He doesn't actually spend that much time on the ranch. So he's making loads and loads of money, hundreds of millions of dollars probably doing his real estate thing. And But he also has the ranch. And I've talked to him. Uh, um, you know, I, I interviewed him for my podcast, and I talked to him several times via DM on, on Twitter. And he seems very, very genuine. Like he actually thinks that there is something weird going on at Skinwalker Ranch. And yet he's got this kind of team of scientists, not really scientists, but Mm -hmm. scientists. uh, (laughs) TV scientists. Well, I mean, they they are technically scientists. They are, but that doesn't mean they're doing science. Right, yeah. Yeah, Travis Taylor, he's a a TV scientist. He has two PhDs, but he's also, (laughs) he was on the Rednet Rockets and uh, uh, Ancient Aliens and shows like that. So he's he's very much a, a TV personality. But I think, you know, they, he thinks that they're actually doing science. The owner, Brandon Fugel, thinks that they are actually doing science. Or he's a very good actor. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm taking him at his word. It'd behoove him for these things to, to be real. <laughs> well, he's Utah nice anyway, right? It's, it's, oh. it's, it's a difficult one to figure out what's actually going on. And that's a, a lot of the UFO yeah. stuff. You know, there's, there's, lot, there's people doing things and we don't know why they're doing things. Mm-hmm. Well, Mick, we're often asked by interviewers ourselves, what monster seems like it might be real? And for you, are there any UFO cases that are more plausible? Uh, And and what would that mean exactly? Well, yeah, it kind of depends what you mean by real. I mean, I don't (laughs) know of any cases where I think that aliens are really a plausible explanation. You know, I don't take it off the table, but I, I don't I don't think that there are any good cases that you know there are visitors from other worlds. There's no real evidence of that. And there are some cases where it's difficult to explain what people are actually seeing. So you could say it's real in a sense in that there are weird things that we don't know what they are. Uh, like the most the most famous case is the the Nimitz case, where Commander David Fravor and another pilot, Alex Dietrich, uh, both saw what they describe as being a tic tac shaped craft flying around and performing strange maneuvers. 
And I don't really have a great explanation for what they actually saw. I, mean, I don't think it was an alien spaceship. I mean, it could perhaps be some kind of tic-tac. advanced drone. It could be a flying tic tac that's just yeah. possessed. <laughs> uh, but Yum. yeah, I think the most likely thing there was that it was some kind of essentially illusion where they saw something like a balloon or perhaps a drone or an aircraft and they just mm-hmm. misinterpreted what they saw and and a legend was born but then you've got this sure. this big problem in in ufology in which you know, it's not really a problem for them but uh if a pilot or especially a military pilot says something then their word is law you, you cannot mm-hmm. suggest that they may have been mistaken so if David Fravor and you know, especially two pilots saying something, say they saw a flying tic-tac that performed incredible maneuvers, then to ufology, uh, that actually happened. And well, these are trained observers. These are trained observers. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But that's that's another interesting thing. Uh, there's um, there was a case just come out a few like about a week ago. And it was in 29 Palms in California. It's a military base, Camp Wilson. And what happened apparently was 50 to 80 Marines, who are obviously like you know, trained observers, saw a giant flying triangular craft in the sky. And this was the story. And there was photos and videos to go with it. So there was these these these. Uh, videos of this, these five lights in the sky that look like they're forming a triangle and there's some photos of the same thing. But kind of after a, a bit of analysis of this story, it uh, kind of seems like what they were seeing were just flares, just military flares on a military base. There's a big military exercise going on at that time. You can see the flares descend if you if you actually analyze the photographs and you geolocate them and do the line of sight analysis and everything which is the type of thing i do and then someone found a photo of some some flares that was taken that same day at that same location just from a different angle and if you flip it and overlay it on this this supposed triangle craft turns out it's the exact same flares so these 50 plus marines if if the story was correct, and you know some of them gave testimony, they actually uh, you know went on 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 record saying they saw this thing. That all these trained observers were wrong, and this is a very difficult thing for the UFO community to accept. And a lot of them are still pushing back on this. They're saying, "I trust the Marines. Why should I trust the former game programmer over the Marines?" Uh. Like you don't have to trust me. You can just look at these photographs and see. Look, it, it went down. They changed positions. Here you can see the smoke. Here's the real flares. And if you flip the image, it overlays exactly. And this is what actually happened. So it's uh, it, you know trained observers. Mm-hmm don't actually get that much training on observing UFOs. They get trained <laughs> to good point. <laughs> they get trained to recognize things. Like uh, pilots get trained to recognize other planes or in- oncoming missiles or or clouds or things on the ground. They don't get mm-hmm. trained to recognize a tic-tac shaped craft or a flying saucer. <laughs> So when they do see something that's a bit out of the ordinary, they don't know what they're looking at. They don't know how big it is. They don't know how far away it is. That Those aren't things they get trained in. So mm-hmm. they make the same mistakes that any normal person would. Well, they, I, I had the misfortune of, of being in a traffic accident um, a few weeks ago. And I can't, I mean, being someone who's spent decades looking into you know, skepticism, rationality, how brains work, problems of perception, distract, like all that stuff. I'm haunted by my own inability to believe 
what I think I saw. You know what I mean? Like it's like mm-hmm. I, it only lasted for a second or two, and when, at the end, you know, whose fault was it? What exactly happened? Um, those are mysteries. Like everybody's going to think they're right, and you're going to be your own mind will want you to think that you're right. And I, yeah. I, I think one of the the things going on here is a lot of the people in the UFO community have a, a, a fairly open hidden agenda. They want the UFOs to be something more than a phenomena or an object. They want it to be part of a big narrative that they have in their head, the, the narrative that they don't talk about in the interviews. They act like they're only concerned with, is this really evidence of a UFO? Or and maybe I'm misreading it, but that's the way it seems to me. It seems like there's this giant secret that you and I know the answer to. Well, we don't know the answer to, but we know that it's there. We know that that hidden agenda is there. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's that's really what's going on. Uh, a lot of people in, in ufology have uh, not exactly a hidden agenda, but they have basically preconceived beliefs. Uh, and a lot of that is because they have personally had some experience. They, they mm-hmm. think they have uh, seen a UFO or the some in some cases been visited by aliens uh, or you know had some kind of very close encounter of some kind there's a one of the bigger figures in ufology at the moment is professor gary nolan who's a professor of immunology from stanford university very successful intelligent person you know phd's professor uh nominated for a nobel nobel prize and he's he's very much pushing the uh, the the UFOs are aliens narrative and he's been on TV he was on Tucker Carlson he was on uh, I think maybe the Today Show some some show like that or CBS something like that uh, but he he partly believes this because of his own experience like when he was young he was visited in his house by by little gray men essentially and he had an experience as a paper boy where he saw a yeah, UFO following him or some kind of lights in the sky following him and then he had some other experience where he was paralyzed and there was some being talking to him. So, you know, he's the, he's the origin of the phrase, the, the woo is just around the corner. You know, he believes very much that there's something very strange going on. And he thinks the government has evidence that kind of will point towards what that actually is. And he thinks that they have crashed flying saucers. Uh, and largely because you know, other people have told him that. But yes, they they don't talk about these aspects because they know that uh, people will find them silly. So they try to focus on, uh, at the simplest level, airspace safety. So they they frame the issue as uh, oh all all we're interested in is airspace safety. You know, pilots are seeing these these UFOs and they're flying very close to their planes, and eventually one of them's going to collide with the planes, and perhaps they're foreign spies. So we should do something about it. That's all we're concerned about. And then it kind of goes at one notch, and it's it's like well you know maybe these things are actually uh, craft from another world. You know what about that? I mean, that wouldn't that be amazing? You know, that would be a great step forward for science and you know, the government should tell us everything it knows about that. But then beyond that, there's, for some people, this, this much more esoteric aspect of it where they think that these beings are perhaps interdimensional and that the spaceships aren't actually spaceships at all. They're just some, some kind of projection, uh, kind of an avatar type thing 
that these interdimensional beings are using to reveal themselves or manipulate us in a way to either communicate with us or conceal their own true intentions. It's not exactly clear what they think is going on other than something really, really weird is going on. But yes, they, they most people in the UFO community uh, believe that the government is covering up evidence of something really, really interesting. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stoltzner. You just heard part one of our two-part discussion with Mick West on investigating UAPs and UFOs and what the whole field is really about. Stay tuned for next week when we'll dive even deeper into the topic. Links to Mick's blogs, videos, and book are in the show notes, and we hope you'll come back next week for part two. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys, and I still enjoy hearing it every time. And one more thing. Thanks for making our show a part of your life. Monster House presentation. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.